This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Because if you can tell me what your habits are, I can tell you what sort of a person you are. I can tell you what your future looks like. But like I always say, life is 10% what happens to you. It's 90% what you do about it. The people who are most effective in the workplace believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past. When people don't believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past, they begin to disengage. You're listening to The Circuit of Success, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve success in every facet of life, only on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Now, your host, Brett Gilliland. Welcome to The Circuit of Success. I am your host, Brett Gilliland, and today we've got Jesse Krieger with us. Jesse, what's going on, man? How are you? Hey, Brett, good to be here. Thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. You are the chief content officer of powerfan.io. Uh, you're helping uh, authors and content creators leverage NFTs and blockchain technology to better reach their audience. Uh, so we're really excited about that. You can see your powerfan.io sign back there in the back. That's right. We put the, uh, we decided to make our name, our URL, just for simplicity. Perfect. Powerfan.io. Absolutely. I like it. Well, I got a lot of questions, man. You know, doing what I do, owning Visionary Wealth Advisors, co-founder and CEO of that. Um, you know, we get asked a lot about cryptocurrency, the blockchain, NFTs, you know, all these things. Like, what are they, right? People just still don't know. Um, and so today we're just going to, I'm going to come to you like I would, all the client questions that I get and uh, ask some of those to you and hear Let's your perspective. That's fair. I love it. Yeah. Hey, man. So why don't you talk to us first, though, about what powerfan.io is? Maybe give us a little background of that. Sure. So quick background on myself. I've run a book publishing company for the last seven years or so. And before that, I am an author myself, a book called Lifestyle Entrepreneur. So for the last decade, I've been in both the content driven businesses, book publishing, author, created trainings, run events, um, and done a number of those different online business approaches that have really helped play into what we're doing with PowerFan, which is working with authors, content creators, um, experts, and artists to create NFTs, which we'll talk about today. And we have our own cryptocurrency, which is called PFAN. And so that's what PowerFan is at its essence is it's, you can have a profile, you can create NFTs, you can display them, you can sell them, you can conduct um, commerce in on the blockchain via the PowerFan platform. And this is in line with, if you've heard of Web 3.0, um, we're building a Web 3.0 enabled platform where you just connect your, your crypto wallet and you also have a normal account like name and password, but it's bridging this gap from Web 2.0 into 3.0 by integrating some crypto functions. And we'll chat more about that. Absolutely. So, so walk me through that. You know, you hear the Gary V's of the world. I mean, Amazon, you hear all these people talking about web 3.0. So talk to us in layman's terms, what is web 3.0 and how's that different than my normal internet experience I work with today? Sure. Well, let me give you like the one minute primer, just for anybody that's coming in new to crypto. Like you, you probably heard of Bitcoin. It's the first cryptocurrency. Um, it's cryptographically secure. That's why it's called crypto. And, you know, as of a few days ago, there's like over a trillion dollars of market cap just within Bitcoin. 
So it's a new asset class, cryptocurrencies. The second one, Ethereum, uh, Bitcoin's like a store of value. It's super low cost to, to send and receive. You can do it instantly, 24-7, 365. And so it allows you to have custody of your assets. I could send $100,000 to Brett on the other side of the world uh, if I wanted to, and it would cost like 12 cents. <laughs> yeah, it'd take 12 cents. It'd take a few minutes to settle. But now value has been transferred securely and outside of the traditional finance system. So then Ethereum comes along and it's a cryptocurrency, Ether, right? Ethereum, ETH. But the Ethereum blockchain allows for what's called smart contracts to be executed. So Ethereum, the full name is Ethereum Virtual Machine, a global supercomputer that anyone can interact with via the Ethereum cryptocurrency to register transactions on the Ethereum blockchain. And so this goes from, you know, Gen 1 Bitcoin, digital store of value that can be transferred securely and privately to Gen 2 Ethereum, where you can have a smart contract that executes. And that's what lays the foundation for an NFT. And so an NFT, let's use Ethereum, exists on the Ethereum blockchain as a unique digital asset that's both verifiable, like a certificate of authenticity would be for a piece of fine art. It, it proves that there's one unique digital asset and this is it. Um, and when we hear non-fungible token, fungible is money. Fungible is Bitcoin, Ethereum. You can have one Ethereum, a half of an Ethereum, two Ethereum, but it's all Ethereum. An NFT is like a painting that's worth $1,000. You can't cut it into a thousand pieces and have a thousand pieces worth one dollar. Its value is intrinsic to its, its fixed form. Yeah, and so I think the thing I struggle with, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt, we'll keep going on that. I love this. But so let's take the, the Mona Lisa, right? Everybody, everybody's heard of the Mona Lisa. And so if I buy the Mona Lisa for however many millions of dollars that would take me today, I can take the Mona Lisa home, I can hang it on my wall. And now I get to look at it every single day, right? Versus if I buy the NFT from, you know, you hear Tom Brady talking about this stuff or his autograph.io, all that stuff. I buy that Mona Lisa, I'm using air quotes for those listening, that Mona Lisa, I buy that and now it's on the digital world. I can't hang that in my house above my fireplace, right? So explain yeah, that to us. that's one way to think of it. Um, I, yeah, I mean... Think of it this way. So for art, right? We've got one of our um, clients is, a, is an artist who's longtime friends with Manny Pacquiao, the, the boxer, mm -hmm. right? So there is his final fight was in Vegas a few months ago. So the artist does a custom painting to commemorate his final fight, gets Manny to sign it, and then we auction the NFT, which is a digital asset. Whoever wins the auction for the NFT gets the signed physical painting sent wherever they want. And the NFT signifies I'm the owner of, yes, the NFT, but I also now own this painting. And so that's a way to think of bridging like the physical and digital art world with NFTs. Okay, so let's let's take this. So this is, who's this one by? This is Jason Isringhausen here. Izzy, what's up, buddy? Um, St. Louis Cardinal hat. So you're saying is this could be an NFT. He signed it, you know, Thanks a bunch, Jason Isringhausen, 44. 
he signs this. I could turn this into an NFT because this is the only one like this, right? And then I get online. Somehow I sell you the NFT. You now own the rights, if you will, to this hat, right? Yeah, I mean, and then, that, that only holds up if... See, the digital physical world is where it's tricky. If it's pure digital, it's so clean and easy. We'll talk about that. Right. But if you well, create an NFT and hat. say, yeah, I got this hat. It's signed. It's one of a kind. So you would create a one of one NFT. There's only one. It's not part of a series. And then you say, whoever gets it, you're going to, I'll send you the hat. Right. But where that breaks down is if the person that bought it wants to resell it, then you're kind of on the honor system if they send the hat to whoever buys it. Right. Whereas if it's just a digital asset and, and it's worth sharing at this point that an NFT functions as a key that can unlock um, content. So you could have digital courses, you, and this is what we're starting to work with, right? Books with exclusive content, bonus content. Um, other things that are digitally delivered are all pretty seamlessly transacted with an NFT. Got it. And I think that's the more exciting application. Your example is right. Like that is a good way to think about it, to get, to wrap your head around it. Uh, cool. I mean, if you're okay with this, we're just going to, so like, this is a, this is my journal, this thing I'm producing right now. It's the future greater than your past. It's a journal in the making for 20 years and all this stuff. So this is what you're saying is could be an NFT. And then you buy the rights to that. I then send you, you get the digital version of this. And now what you do with this is completely up, up to Jesse, right? You could do yeah, whatever so you want. The, with it. You what's may, the name of that? Well, a future we'll greater it. than your past, okay. just a, a journal. Okay. So let's create something magical out of that. So you've got a future okay. greater than your past NFT collection and there's 100 of them. So there's 100 future greater than your past NFTs. Each one of them includes the digital journal that you can complete and work on. Let's say it includes a video training where you just click record like you are right now and talk about how to use the journal. And then maybe you, um, if it's a year long thing, maybe you've got 12 monthly messages that just go into an autoresponder. So you're gonna get a monthly check-in to keep you on track, making your future greater than your past. So there's three bonuses we just created, plus you get the, but there's only a hundred of them. So now when you launch this, you could give them a fixed price, let's say 0.1 Ethereum. So now you've sold a um, hundred NFTs at 0.1 Ethereum each. So now you've got 10 Ethereum, 40,000 bucks at today's price, give or take, whatever. Sure. But now those hundred NFTs, there's a hundred people that each have one, right? But here's where it gets exciting you could have built into that, let's say a 10% royalty. So now if I bought one of those, I could list it and sell it for twice the price I paid because, Hey, there's only a hundred of them. No one else is selling. I'm the only way that you can get one of these now for the other thousand people that want one that, but didn't get one. So if I sell it for twice the price an hour later, you get 10% of that automatically and instantly the new person gets the NFT, which in, which unlocks access to the digital yep. journal, the videos, all of that. And the person who sold it loses access to those things, but <laughs> has now made a profit buying and selling an NFT at a different price. And this illustration with you as the collection owner and creator, you're getting a royalty on every transaction from that collection. 
And then in instead of selling, so if I only sell a hundred of these, it's making it more exclusive, which means the price will go higher and people want it, right? Versus if I just sold a million of these and I didn't do any NFT, I just went on, you know, Amazon and put this journal on there and, you know, a million people show up and they buy my journal for X amount of dollars. Yeah, you put it on print on demand and now there's no limit, right? Right. And, and like I mentioned, I'm in book publishing too. It's the idea. You don't want to go out of print of a book. Yeah. But if you think of it as an NFT, it's like a rare first edition print run, right? There's yep. not going to be another first edition print run. So, and I collect rare first edition books. So it's like mm. the same idea as an NFT, something where there's a limited supply, but demand that either increases or varies over time. I think the cool thing is as like a content creator, as someone with a community and a platform, once the collection's out there, it's like the exciting thing is you could do a surprise announcement of like, uh, we're recording this in January. So if you've got your hundred NFTs out there, you could say everybody who has one of these in March, March 1st, if you've got an NFT in your wallet, I'm going to do a whole day virtual breakdown, goal setting, strategy, quarter by quarter game plan. I'm going to open the kimono, show you my financial planning. And, but you've got to have the NFT to get there. So now there could be a new rush of like, Ooh, there's 50 people that definitely want to be there, but didn't necessarily just want the journal and that offer. Yep. But now you're creating transaction volume and creating royalties. And that illustration gives you an example of what's possible with NFTs beyond yeah. what you see in the headlines of somebody bought an ape for $200,000. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But even in that case, right now you're in a club with Kevin Hart, with celebrities, with everybody else that owns one of those apes. Yeah. So it, it's also can be a community, uh, a ticket into a community or a mastermind or things like that. And so that ape, for example, I'm not too familiar with that story. So the, I, mean, I think that was a uh, artist drew a picture of an ape, right? Is that right? So and there's like, a, a, one of the most popular NFT collections was there's 10,000 um, Bored Ape Yacht Club apes. There's 10,000 unique images of a similar ape. And there's 10,000 of them circulating. But what's happened is it's become this thing where celebrities, sports stars, athletes, they're all now announcing, hey, I just bought my Bored Ape NFT for $206,000 or whatever. And that's the lowest price one that's available. So it means the collection value is high if there's 10,000 pieces and the lowest one sold for 206,000. So, you know, you've got a, a deep financial background. It's like, sure, you could think of that as PE or a different type of ratio to see the collection value versus floor price. Um, and that's how people are evaluating NFTs as part of these bigger collections. Got it. And what's Kevin Hart doing with his uh, with his big ape pictures? That uh... I don't know. I won't speak specifically to Kevin Hart, but you know, every time I open the news, there's a new celebrity announcement that has a board ape. You could put it as your profile picture. That's one little utility okay. that you know is like it shows you it shows everybody that you own it. So that's one thing. That's like a surface level use case. I think the bigger thing is like they throw events and parties. There's a private chat. There's different ways to communicate. So now you're in like an inner circle with some influential people. Yeah. So again, that's, that's I, I don't the personally own one of those, a, but uh, 
but that's the that's the ticket into the club then is what you're saying because then if i own that you're probably going to get i just and i just googled it for those listening uh the, you know the top two people are mark cuban and steve and, and stephen curry yeah um, there you go you know steve aoki ksi the chain smokers you know they all own this uh board ape yacht club and there's the there's the picture of it um looks like maybe uh eminem has one as well so we'll put that right there yep. for those uh watching so they own that and so now again i can use that as my profile pick on instagram i paid a lot of money for it that two hundred six thousand dollars to use your number goes back to the owner that created this cool thing and then uh, now if i'm eminem or steph curry or mark cuban i can create an event and then a bunch of people would pay, you know, whatever, $5,000 to go spend the day with Mark Cuban. And since they own the ape, that $206,000 investment got them more stuff, if you will, just by being an owner of it. Essentially, that's the idea. And um, yeah, I mean, it just shifts you into like a private chat with the likes of Mark Cuban or the chain smokers. So you could see that, like, in my view, it's a cool way to get access that didn't exist before. Like, you know, 20 years ago, I'd buy a CD and then I'd write a letter to join the fan club. Now I can buy an NFT and be in a private chat with the artist. That's progress just from a creative and and interactive standpoint in my view. And and just define non-fungible tokens. So NFT, what does that mean? Yeah, so a fungible token is like Ethereum or Bitcoin. it's any denomination, it's the same asset. Uh, you could have 0.5, you could have one, you could have 100, but they're interchangeable. NFT is non-fungible, it's not interchangeable. It's a fixed asset and you either own it or you don't, it's binary. You can't yeah. own half of it. Yeah, to your yeah. point, this hat, I can't cut this hat in half and you own half the autograph, I own the other half. There's no value in that. Yeah, and then it becomes totally worthless. Right. Yep. And so that's the right way to think of it. I um, like that. Very Yeah, good. so, I mean, NFTs, if we shift into more of like the financial use case and like an investment standpoint, could go there if that's interesting. Sure, absolutely. Real quick though, um, so if you're a creator, you're an author, you're somebody driving down the road, listen to this, you've got a good idea. Like how do people create an NFT? Where do they go? Where do they take their idea to learn more? What's this thing actually worth? How do you, I guess you set your own value. Is that right? Yeah, correct. So, I mean, at powerfan.io, we are an NFT minting platform. You can create an account, um, create an NFT in five to 10 minutes. If you've got the artwork and know what you want to offer, list it for sale, give that link to somebody, they can come and buy your NFT. So it's, it's a fairly straightforward process, which is, part of the brilliance of it. It's not a cumbersome activity, but like anything, right? Like you could pick up a guitar and strum it doesn't make you John Lennon. So the people that are good um, are working it more than just like, hey, I'm gonna throw something up and see what happens, right? They're planning out a collection, a roadmap, uh, a community. And that's where we come in. We partner with creators to mint and market their NFT collection for the first time. Yeah. Once it's out there, it just exists on the blockchain, but we're like a an issuing platform for NFTs. Got it. And, and pardon for all these uh, simple questions, I'm sure you're like, yeah, I get these a, a million times a day. So, but this NFT thing, so again, let's use your example of the fan club. You said to buy a CD, 
write a letter. Now you, whatever you spend 30 bucks and you're in the fan club, right? You get access to early tickets. You get whatever, maybe a coffee mug sent to you in the mail, you know, whatever you got there that there's really no value in that fan club for you other than that stuff, because you didn't pay an upfront number for it, right? You, 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 maybe you paid your 30 bucks, but you don't get anything special other than that. The, the value and why there's an NFT versus just a fan club is they stop. There's only a finite number. Is that a fair way to look at that? No, I, let me use an example of like, okay, this will give it some color. So we've got a, an artist um, duo called tripping cats and their NFT collection tripping cats is like a cool psychedelic type of art of jungle cats. Okay. Now that's the image of the NFT, but what you get for owning it is one, a high resolution print ready image. So you could frame it and hang it up and actually make it wall art. Uh, but two, you get a design masterclass with the artist. So you literally get an interactive instructional experience where he's going to show you how he created this art and teach you how to create similar art. You also get a 3D um, avatar that will live in the metaverse. So you can use this tripping cat character eventually in different games, different digital worlds. And so it's more than just hey, I got this thing, I'm in the club. You're getting a digital asset that has utility in games and digital environments. You're getting an instructional course on how to create art that appeals to the creators. And you get a high-res print if you just like the art and want to hang it up for a collector. So that's an example of an offering where like, yes, that, that plus the community. So, but if I'm the tripping cat, so help me understand and help our listeners understand, maybe they're a lot smarter than me, which they probably are. But so if the tripping cats do that and I can sell this, this print that goes on my wall, I can sell the cool video I saw on their Twitter thing here already. I, I, I sell that this thing that lives in the metaverse, which we'll talk about in a minute, all the experiences you talked about, why not just sell that and not do an NFT versus let's do an NFT with that. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, that's, really at the heart of it. Um, if you did it not as an NFT, then you put up a page, you say, hey, buy this package yeah. and it costs this much and you're going to get a print. You're going to get access to a course. You're going to get um, a 3D a uh, avatar that you can use and I'll send it all to your email. Yeah. For $99.99, you do that and now you got it, right? So you, okay. you swipe your card or you put in your info and you pay for it. Now you get an email and then you get links to some stuff, but that's it. Like you can't resell that. Um, it's, it's just access to content. You could resell it. I mean, obviously people pirate stuff, but an NFT, if we look at it this way, you do a, a transaction with crypto. So you don't need a credit card. You don't need a merchant processor. You don't need a web page. You literally just would, in our case, create your account on PowerFan, put up your NFT. You've got a link, somebody goes, connects their wallet, they buy it. Now that person has the NFT in their wallet, which unlocks the bonus content, which unlocks the 3D avatar, which gives them the link to access the training course. Um, but now if I sell it to you, then I've, I've transferred that NFT to you and you've paid me, whatever, and let's say Ethereum, now you have that. But in that transaction and each subsequent one, the tripping cats are getting a royalty and it's built to be resold. I mean, the whole, why do that instead of just sell it like web 2.0, because it, 
with the resale ability and royalties, that's the way to think about it. How do I create a collection and then stimulate demand over time for it to change hands? Yeah. And I keep going back to this hat, but that's the example of a lot of celebrities, athletes, things like that. They're worried about, Hey, I signed this for Brett for something as a buddy, but then he's going to take it and go sell it for a thousand dollars and make money off my name. Right. That, that's what these celebrities thinking. Whereas the NFT protects them from this awesome creation, whether it's a picture, whether it's a journal, whether it's a photo on the wall, that, that really protects them from a guy buying it for a hundred dollars, turn around selling it for a thousand dollars. And now they get nothing. This follows them for the rest of their life of this NFT. Is that a fair way to look at it? Yeah. I think the NFT version of the hat, the signed hat is the, the person who signed it themselves could create their NFT collection yeah. and say, I'm going to do a hundred um, digitally signed cards. Yeah. And now, <clears throat> you get a digital asset instead of a physically signed hat. It would be a picture of this hat. But it's directly a, from him. Right. So maybe somebody <laughs> drew this hat, right? They drew it. It looks really cool on my phone as an avatar. And then Jason goes in and signs these, um, these digital hats. And now he sells those out to all these Cardinal fans for a hundred bucks a piece. Now they own it. And I guess the only thing too, my question always becomes is, so if he sold a hundred of those, what keeps him from, wow, those went pretty quickly at a hundred. I sold those for a hundred dollars a piece. Why not sell another hundred? Yeah, that's another the, hundred. that becomes the next question. And you're, as we call it, this is the way down the rabbit hole. Okay. <laughs> like, okay, if I did a hundred and they sell out, why wouldn't I do another? Well, you could, but you want to respect the collectors. So if you say, I'm going to do a hundred and that's it, and then it sells out and you do a hundred more the next day, credibility is going to take. Yeah. And the value can, of the first hundred goes down because you just basically lied and you know said you're going to do a hundred, but now you're doing two hundred. Yeah, but if you gauge like if if somebody's a Cardinals player and they're bigger platform, maybe it's a thousand or ten thousand. Yeah. Um, but then the point is, if there's tons of demand, you either do a new collection, don't dilute the thing you just created. Say now instead of a digitally signed hat, it's going to be my rookie card with my career stats or something. And again, that rookie card is not the physical, different. it's not the physical card. It's a, That's it's right. a, whatever. I, I think back to 1988, what was it? Mark McGuire in the, in the Olympic shirt was a really expensive baseball card. So you're saying now that would be a digital version of that. Oh yeah. Like NBA stats. top shot did this with great precision. You know, they recreated that joy of opening up a pack and saying, did I get a rare card? Yeah. Um, so you get a pack, you say, did I get a rare player card? Um, and then there's moments from the games themselves that the NFT can access. So you could have a digitally signed thing from your favorite player and the NFT's got his, you know, best grand slams or his best play highlights that somebody curated and just made part of that. So it becomes a multimedia experience instead of yeah. just a signed hat. And, it becomes and instead of going to YouTube to watch it, and you know me having to type in that shot Michael Jordan took and me having to create my own video and all the best shots or best dunks or whatever, I buy this NFT and it's already on there. Now it's been created for me. Yeah, and it's curated. And, and best case, it's not available on YouTube. It's That's the only way you get that content, like a pay-per-view yeah. thing would be. Yeah. Interesting, man. This, is, this has been very helpful. So um, how do we... 
So actually, you know what? Let's go before we go there. Can, can you give us some more real world examples of some NFTs, things we've probably heard of? Like, I mean, I think, wasn't there a painting that sold for like millions and millions and millions of dollars or something? Yeah, but I want to take it a different direction if you don't okay. mind. Okay, I don't mind at all. You know, you're, you're running the journals show here, is like one thing and that is a great way to get your head around it. But I'm going to give a financial example that also okay. ties in with um, what NFTs are really starting to be used for. So let's, we've we introduced the concept of decentralized finance, right? We've been talking about it in a way. Crypto is part of decentralized finance. But what else happens is you can generate interest and you can generate yield by staking or providing liquidity. And so let's say for PowerFan, right? One of the ways that we're starting to list our token and eventually be on an exchange like a Coinbase is people provide liquidity, an equal value of Ethereum and PFAN. And when they do that on Uniswap, the biggest decentralized exchange, and you can talk about that, but it's really easy. Um, so you provide liquidity or capital, Ethereum and PFAN. The result is you have an NFT, a non-fungible token that represents the value of your liquidity that's part of a pool that people are buying and selling PFAN for Ethereum with. So that NFT gives you 0.3% of the transaction value accruing to you. But that's just a little bonus because that NFT, PowerFan pays 25% APY in PFAN token um, out of the gate. And at 30 days, 60 days, and 90, that bumps up to 50%, 75%, and then 100% APY from 90 to 180 days. And it's a total of a six-month term. So people can, if, if we step back here, we're saying provide liquidity. So you're staking, you're earning up to 100% APY in our token and you have an nft that is both transferable like you could transfer it or sell it if you wanted yep. but it's the nft that represents your capital at work in a liquidity pool and that entitles you to the apy bonus that we powerfan pay out so that's a quite a different way to think of nfts but for sure. me that's even the more exciting one there's collectibles and fan and content i'm all about that but also from a financial standpoint and an investment standpoint, it's a different way to approach investing than like an ETF or um, something that's in a traditional sure. finance architecture. So, so what if somebody like, you know, me, for example, who, I mean, yeah, I've got a platform from, um, you know, this podcast and things like that, but you know, what I, what I would classify us, right. Me, my crew, you know, my friends, we're normal people, right? We don't have, we're not a professional athlete or an artist or whoever that's got this massive platform. What would somebody like me do with an NFT if I'm buying it? But from a creation standpoint, I guess there isn't one, right? There's no, there's no platform for somebody like me to build. Oh, sure. There is. Yeah. I mean, you could, for visionary wealth advisors, you could do a, like a platinum mastermind for your top clients or top investors. NFTs could be your ticket to entry, right? So if it's like there's 20 seats at the Platinum Mastermind as a part of Visionary Wealth Advisors, and you need to have the NFT, but when you're in the Mastermind, we're going to bring in a monthly speaker, like a legendary investor, a, a yeah. CEO. You're going to learn from the best of the best. You're going to have inside opportunities to investments that other people don't get. So you could <clears throat> just frame a value proposition 
and then use the NFT as the the ticket to entry, um, which is also exchangeable. So, so, yeah, so again, up, if that client says, you know what, I don't want this anymore. I got my needs met. I'm going to sell it. I bought it for whatever, a thousand bucks. And I think I can sell it for 1500 to to Sally up the street. Sally wants to come in and get experience at Visionary with those speakers and this and that and the other. And then they sell it for $1,500 and now sitting at the table next month is Sally because she bought it from Billy over here. Yeah, that's it. And why would Sally do it? If Billy's saying, wow, I bought this NFT. I learned so much. Now I'm making way more money. Thanks, Visionary, for these great strategies. Then Sally's like, wow, I want to get in on that action. So Billy says, well, you know what? I learned what I'm, what I learned. I'm, I'm in action. So I'll sell it to you for twice what I paid. Yeah. Because now there's three months of content loaded into this thing. Yeah, uh, that's true. Because the content stays on the NFT. So if you if you produce and and deliver content that's accessible via the NFT, then you can make an argument that that accrues in value over time because there's three months of content that's now in there, right? Versus, and again, versus me putting that on YouTube or 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 my own private uh, web website where they have to have a username and password, and I could sell a million of those things. Uh, obviously I'm not going to sell a million of them, but, but for this talking purposes, I could sell a million things and keep the video on over here. That's where I think people, I know my circle, people I get asked all the time is that's what they don't understand the NFT, but I guess the storing of it and being able to resell it for the next guy that already bought it. Because if I bought, you know, a, a big influencer coaches program on the internet, I've got my username and password. I can't sell my username and password for their course. I mean, you could, but it's probably not legal or they'd. Right. Yeah. Like so again, I wouldn't do that. Right. So then I just, I paid whatever, $2,000 for this course. I'm never going to be able to do anything with it. Even though it was a great course, I got a ton out of it. I can't resell that to you. Bingo. And, uh, and then, but, but with an, but with the NFT, I can. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Um, and yeah, just with that, going with that example, right? Like the real value, it could be access. So if you're saying, you know, for the platinum members, every two weeks I open up the line, I'll share what's working, I'll answer your questions, and we'll troubleshoot your investment portfolio. Then, you know, that's not a course, that's not even, that's just yeah. somebody wants to talk to you as an advisor, and that's the way they can do it. Yep. And that way, if there's a limited number of seats, people can buy and sell them, you're getting a royalty on that, but you're just opening the line every two weeks, and whoever's there, you're going to talk to them for an hour or mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah. And so if you think of it as a fixed time commitment or a fixed um, value proposition, then other people can have a seat at the table, just like, well, it's not the best analogy, but a casino, right? You got a craps yeah. table, you're, you're, you're running the table, but different people come up and play and put their money down and have a ball. They walk away, someone else comes up, you're still working the, so it's kind of like that. Yeah. So that makes my mind go to different places. I'm, you know, I'm thinking of a, this, this is this building alone. You know, there's a medical spa, there's lawyers, there's a, a men's health clinic, there's mortgage people. If they knew more about it or, or go to bourbon and go to smoking meat, like on a green egg, if you're the guy that knows everything about green egg, smoking barbecue ribs, you could create your own NFT and have a series that every two weeks people show up. They're all standing by their green egg, the main chef guys at his green egg, and he's going to walk you through on it this week on how to smoke uh, brisket, right? And That's then you it. show up or you don't show up. But the only people that get to show up are the ones that own the NFT. And then his credibility is, is he's not going to open up instead of a hundred, he's going to open up. Well, this really went well. I opened up to 
300 people. Well, these people are pissed because they just bought it, you know, exclusive rights to it. But now you just open up a lot more. It doesn't have to piss people off. Like if you just say it up front, like, hey, we're going to have 100 members, but over time we want to grow this community. So if it's not diluting the first people in a way, then it's just growing the pie. Um, but if you like in that example, right, with food and stuff, if, if they've got retail distribution, you can say this NFT, yeah, you're going to learn recipes. I'm going to take you into my kitchen. You're also going to get 50% off of all of my products. So you can give them a coupon, just go and scan that at the supermarket or online. And now you're yeah. getting a discount on the products that this person's using to cook and teach you. So yeah. you could look at it like that too. So this, is, this, is, this has been great. I, I really enjoy this. So this is really helping me understand the NFT part of it is versus me just building this, you know, uh, if I was the, the chef uh, smoking on the big green egg, instead of me just having a, a course or something that uh, hundreds of thousands of people could buy, it's the resale value is where there's a ton of value. Is that that's that it. And the, and for the creator, the royalty. So yeah. just and instantly and automatically like, so that's how we shift the economic incentive to the creator. That's it. I mean, that's why it says here, creators and fans, you have the power now, like, and I've run a book publishing company, right? We've got to collect money, account for returns, create royalty statements, send them to authors and then pay them. But if that was an NFT, as soon as the transaction happens, that royalty would flow. So it just goes on up commerce as well, which I think is exciting. Yeah, that's awesome, man. So, so how did you get into this? What was your role before this? Yeah, I mean, I have been in cryptocurrency in some way or form since 2017. I started investing and getting involved in that bull run. Did okay, um, but not like life-changing money. Then there was crypto winter 2018, 19 into 20. I wasn't doing much, but I was still paying attention. In that time, some of my friends had started crypto companies. I have a few friends now that have been on the founding teams of top 100 coins. And so I've seen the stratospheric success. And at some point I was like, okay, I could publish books and have that whole economic model forever. And I still love it. And or I could look at how can we provide valuable services to creators using NFTs and digital assets yep. and get ahead of or at least ride this wave that is clearly washing over all of us. That's awesome, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, this, is, uh, this has been very helpful. So the other question I have is I'm seeing more and more websites that end in .io. Yours is one of them, right? Powerfan.io is the name of your company and in your website, right? So what does this .io mean? It's just a different suffix, but it's generally associated with tech. IO means in out um, in like tech or binary, like ones and zeros. So it kind of looks like a one zero in out IO. It's just a tech suffix, but beyond that, it's not. Uh, it allows you to get domains that might not be available on a dot com, for example. Like a power right. fan told my mom, she's like, you're selling industrial equipment? <laughs> like, no, not that power. No, thing. mom. So the .io <laughs> then lets us all know that you are dealing in technology, not selling an actual power fan, like your mom thought. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as much as you can surmise from just the URL. Yeah. That's right. That's <laughs> right. That's good. Um, well, great, man. So uh, where can our fans find more of you? Where can they find more of Jesse Krieger? Sure. Well, for one thing, um, we're happy to gift 100 PFAN tokens. That's our cryptocurrency on PowerFan 
to everybody here in the listening audience and we'll give away 2,500 to one lucky listener. Um, plus, if you're interested, create an account on PowerFan. The link should be below wherever you're watching or, or yep. listening to this. And then check out PowerFan.io. Um, you can Google me, Jesse Krieger. I've done a lot of interviews. I've done a lot of educational content on crypto and blockchain. So check it out and get in touch. I'm friendly. Awesome, man. Well, great. Thanks so much on the uh, those tokens. That will uh, be very, very nice for our listeners. And uh, Jesse, it's been awesome having you, man, on the circuit of success. Thanks, Brett. And thanks, everybody. Tune in next week for another episode of The Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and through our website, circuitofsuccess.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and email any questions to info at circuitofsuccess.com. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm. 